you all have been asking and asking and asking for years and years, could we study the book of Revelation? And so finally we are. This is going to be a great, great study for us. We're glad that you're here today. Um, We hope that you will be committed to this, that you will grow in the Word of God and particularly in the book of Revelation. Today we were supposed to start the live stream being sermon only. But unfortunately, on Friday, the church was broken into. We had a lot of stuff stolen in the church. They came on foot, stashed the stuff outside, and came back hours later. We have it all on video. We're working with the police, and hopefully we can get it figured out. One of the things that they took was our nice video camera from upstairs. So unfortunately, there is no live stream today. Spread the word around. You will not be able to go back and watch the service. We are recording it, and so for everybody that is not here, uh, they will be able to go back and listen, but they're not going to be able to watch it right now. It's unfortunate that those things happen, but we are safe. We will figure it out. Just want you all to know that. Also, Uh, We have, one of you all, some awesome journals that are of the book of Revelation, and we want every single one of you all to have one, okay? Uh, Praise God, we ran out of all of them, and we had 150 of them, which is a really, really good thing, uh, but we ran out. If you're here today and you did not get one of these, we will have them next week. So today, take notes on your bulletin. You can copy those over to this when you get it. We'll have it for you next Sunday. This is a journal, says Revelation on the front, and it has the entire book of Revelation in it, and it's got a page of notes. These will be really, really helpful for you all week after week. If you have one, awesome. It's a gift to you. Uh, If you didn't get one, we will have these more for you next Sunday, all right? We ran out of them. Revelation is the last book of the Bible, It's the final message to us. It is very, very meaningful. To many people, it's the best book in the Bible, but it's also the most misunderstood or the least read book in the Bible. And so there's a lot of discussion that happens on the book of Revelation that is inaccurate to it. Many of you all, and we would admit it, have never read the book of Revelation. I know that many of you all have never read it. I've had several of you all tell me this week in anticipation of us studying this that you can't wait to study it, but you've never read it. We want to be people of the book, and so what we do is we come to the Bible, we open it up, and we read it. Last week, we looked at Matthew 25 on the least of these, and what Jesus says he will talk to us about in the judgment. And it was very refreshing for us to be pointed back to the basics of what it means to follow Christ and be a Christian. Today, we venture on a long study of the final book of the Bible, Revelation. It is so often misunderstood and misrepresented, and that has called more confusion and delusion uh, and misunderstanding than we can even express. But for us, believers today, we come starting on it. We may not know what it says, but we're eager to learn what it says. I want to ask you to be prayerful, 
to be committed. If you can't make it, make sure you listen to it later on in the week following up. Get back here the next week so that you can stick with it. Take notes. Ask questions. Follow up. Perhaps even find you another book that you can read at home that goes along with this. I am sure that you will be blessed through this. And for many believers, they've never really gone deep, so to speak, or they've never really gone all in on a study. Now, this is going to be a long one. There are 22 chapters in Revelation, so it's going to take us some time. But there is no better time for you to say, let's do this. Let's get into God's Word and try to study. And I think, we think, that several months from now, you will be thinking, I had no idea This book is awesome. I have loved it. The final book of the Bible comes to us as a letter from God to his churches. Now, I'm going to unpack that a whole lot more, but make sure you're writing that down. The final book of the Bible comes to us as a letter from God to his churches. If you will remember that, it will shape so much. When somebody writes you a letter, that is to be clear. That is to be personal. That is to be, in many ways, affectionate, upbuilding, uplifting, establishing. That is to be good for you. Anytime you all send me one of those good text messages, now let's be honest, we get all kinds of text messages, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly. But when you send me one of those good ones, I screenshot it and I keep it forever. And I love to just scroll back through and find those and say, I remember when they used to like us. I remember when they said nice things about us. I love those. But you know what? I learned this also from my wife. When we got married and all the uh, holidays came up, like birthdays and anniversaries and Valentine's Day, Val would give me a card and not just put, I love you, but she would write like a ton in the card. So much so that I've grown to love what she writes. And I keep those. And in my nightstand, I have all the cards that she's given me. And I'll go back through there sometimes and open those up and read those. And and when I read them, I'll say, do you still feel that way about me? And and it's awesome to go back and see those. Today is Valeria's birthday. And so happy birthday to you. And I gave her a card this morning. And I opened it up. And I wrote a very lot on the side because I've learned that from her. And I hope that to her, that is a very, very meaningful thing of the way I feel and the way I like her, and the way I love her. But what I'm saying is not only that the letter is good, but then holding on to it, keeping it, stashing it away, putting it in your nightstand or wherever you keep those things so that you can always treasure love communicated. In many ways, this is what the book of Revelation is. The God, our Father in heaven, writing a letter to his churches. Now, because this book has been so wrongly represented, people will often say, it's just so confusing, I'd rather not read it. But I want to share with you two truths from Scripture. The first is in 1 Corinthians 14. 
1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. God is not a God of confusion. In other words, it doesn't make sense. It is not fair to God to say he gave us a whole book, a long one, a 22 chapter, and not only a long one, but the final one, the the biggest one in some ways as far as depth and meaning, and it be the hardest and most confusing. Nobody finishes a movie or finishes a story with an ending that just nobody gets, that the church distances itself from and just says, I don't know what that's about, so I'll just skip it. God says he is not a God of confusion. In other words, we are to know that when God gave this letter to the Apostle John, and when God gave this letter to the churches, it was meant to be life-giving. It was meant to be good. It was meant to be strengthening. And so we will believe that. Another verse is 2 Timothy 3.16 that says all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. It is good for us. We are to believe that revelation is not as confusing as it is often said to be, and we are to believe that revelation is profitable. This is going to be great, good for us. Now, could it be that our lack of Uh, biblical knowledge, our lack of Bible, our lack of truth has caused us to say, I I don't really understand it? Yeah, absolutely, right? There are lots of things at first that are intimidating or or we don't know that much about it, and so we we are standoffish a little bit. But the book of Revelation is going to be excellent and good for us, and we are going to like it when we study it together. Now, it is true, okay, that God gave us the Old Testament first, and then God gave us the New Testament, all right? And the New Testament is understood best when we understand the Old Testament. So I know that many of you all have read more of the New Testament than you have of the Old Testament, and we get that, because the New Testament is where we hear the stories of Jesus, But the Old Testament is what teaches us about the foundations and what points us to our Savior, Jesus. And God wants us to understand the Old Testament in a way of helping us understand the New Testament. Revelation comes to us as the book with the most references to the Old Testament. We're going to help you understand that as we walk slowly through this book. Revelation. What does it mean? The original word is apocalypsis. You've heard of the apocalypse, right? That's the word. That's literally the word. It's translated into Revelation. The Greek name of this book is apocalypsis. Now, I think that if if you're like me, so often the apocalypse has turned into this big event that is scary at the end times, and so it's uh, pulled us away a little bit from the word Revelation. But apocalypse, apocalypsis means revelation. It means to reveal. It means to uncover or disclose. It means to make something known. That's what apocalypse means. That's what revelation means. And so at the end of the world or in the end, when truth is revealed, 
there will be a lot of events that come along with that. And so many of us have quickly turned the apocalypse into the events only, not just the truth being revealed. That's very helpful, isn't it? That's very helpful. The book of Revelation is the apocalypse, the revealing, the letting information be known. It is God helping us. It's God showing us. It's God comforting the church and strengthening the church. And it's God giving the church everything he wants the church to know. This book is for us. It's for believers. And it is going to strengthen our faith. Now, you will see in your Bible at the very top that it is the revelation to John. Everybody see that? And I know here in Kentucky, we like to add an S to everything, don't we? We go to Myers and we go to Kroger's. And we add an S to a lot of things. And I'm okay with that, right? That's what, that's what we do. That's what we do. But there is not an S on Revelation. I probably won't correct you in the coming days if you say, I'm loving this study through Revelations. Because you're going to say it. And we're going to hear each other say that, okay? But it doesn't have an S. And you know that there is a difference between a revelation and revelations, right? What's the difference? One is one, and one is multiple. This is not multiple. And that really strengthens the argument. That really strengthens the case. That really strengthens the subject matter. This is one single revelation without an S from God to John to tell the churches. In that way, it's really, really good. God has not done this many times. He does not do this anymore. He did this one time, and so it is singular revelation, okay? Read with me, if you will, the first three verses. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. That's a good start, isn't it? I think already many of us are like, that's already good. I didn't even know it was that good. That's rich, that's deep, and it's not confusing, right? No confusion yet. We're into chapter one, we're three verses in, and it's not blowing us away with visions and craziness. It's rich, it's good. Today I want to show you the who of Revelation, W-H-O, the what of Revelation, W-H-A-T, and the why of Revelation as an introduction. Who, what, and why of this final book. The who of Revelation, number one. The message of this book starts with, begins, originates with God. In did you see that big pause that I had there? What an expression we have in 1-1, which God gave him. I've said this before, 
Y'all, we are believers. We believe this book. And I know that there's some wild stuff in here to the people in the world that don't believe. And I know that there are people that laugh or scoff at us thinking that we believe this. But this book is telling us that God Almighty, the one true God, the maker of heaven and earth, gave a message through a vision, through a revealing, through an apocalypse, a revelation to John. And I believe that. He doesn't do that a lot. He's not doing that to you. He's revealing himself these days through this big, long book. But then, in this one singular time of revelation, John, in captivity in prison on the island of Patmos, it says all that in verse 9, God gave him this vision, this revelation. God gave it to him. He got it from God. And we're not so crazy to think 2,000 or 2,000 years later in 2022 that we've just got to believe this. Believers have always believed this. In the first century, they thought God gave this to John. And John is trustworthy because he was an eyewitness apostle, follower of Jesus. He has been with Jesus. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus turned into the Shekinah glory and revealed to him that he is God Almighty, that he is God in the flesh. John is trustworthy. He's not out here flippantly trying to convince people in spiritual lives. People believe that in the first century. They believe that in the second century. They believe that in the third century. And throughout history, the believers who have known Jesus and the truth of God, have believed this. We're not just here stumbling on a book, reading it, and 2,000 years later, hoping that that really happened. This has been passed down to us through the ages. God gave this to John. That's what the first thing you need to know. The who of Revelation is that it begins with God the Father. And it is given to Jesus Christ. And it is made known to John through an angel. Look back with me just at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. So God gives this to Jesus, who then through his angel gives this to John. And John is a real person, all right? We remember early on in the Gospels, Peter, Andrew, two fishermen, out fishing, being called by Jesus to become followers of Christ. They spent their lives with him. They spent three days with him. I mean, sorry, three years with him, day and night with him. They came to know him as eyewitnesses, the true apostles. They followed Christ. Peter and Andrew, and then the brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. This is that John, John the apostle. This message from God to Christ through the angel came to the apostle John. This John is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, which we love, which we look to often. This John is the same John that wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. We love those short letters. John, being the author of the Revelation, is the author also of five New Testament books. This is who it is. God gave this revelation to him. Then, look what happens. 
he writes it down, okay? He writes it down. He records it, but writes this letter for us from the island of Patmos. We'll get to it later, but look at verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He had been sent there in exile, in captivity, because he was a faithful teacher, preacher, minister, witness to Jesus. And from there, on this island, in captivity, he receives this revelation. John is trustworthy. And we believe that this book that we are beginning to study today came from God through him to the churches. If you look at verse 2, we see that the angel bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. And then in verse 3, we are told this. Now, Jake read this earlier. You need to have number th- uh, verse 3 underlined or highlighted. This can shape our entire study. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. That's us, isn't it? We are gathered here this Sunday morning, the first Sunday of February 22, reading out loud the revelation that God, through Christ, through the angel, gave to John, gave to the churches, gave to us, and we're reading it out loud. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, for the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, for the grace of God for us to believe, and for us to be believers here reading out loud this great letter. But it doesn't say only read it. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. God wants us to read this book, hear this book, and obey this book. He uses the word keep. Believe it, trust it, commit to it, lean on it, obey it. Blessed are those that read it, that's us. Blessed are those that hear it, that's us. Blessed are those that keep it, may that be us. If we stopped there and ended today, that alone ought to change your faith from here on out. The book of Revelation matters to us. No more excuses. We are believers in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, who rose from the grave, who lives, who reigns on high. He is our Lord and Savior, the King of kings. He will come back one day to save us. He will make all things right. Churches won't be broken into anymore. Stuff won't be stolen that was donated from volunteers. One day that will all be made right. We are believers. 
We are believers. And Jesus wants us to take this book, read it, hear it, keep it, stick to it, and allow it to shape our faith. Your pastors have been praying that God would do that great work starting today. May you love God's word, believe God's word, and be committed to God's word. Verse 3 says that we are encouraged to read and hear it. That is the who of Revelation. Now, it is true and it is possible that if you don't know the context, sometimes you can kind of get that wrong, right? You hear somebody saying something and you thought they were talking about somebody else and you're doing a little eavesdrop and you think, when did they do that? How did they, I can't believe they said that. And you say, are y'all talking about such and such? And they say, no, mind your own business, right? The book of Revelation is important to understand like this. This isn't something crazy at the end of the book that one of God's people wrote. It's not. John didn't make this up. John's not crazy. John's helpful. He writes good. John's letters are some of the favorite in the New Testament. He wants us to know that we can be saved through Christ. He wants us to believe. His letters say he wants us to have assurance in our believing. This isn't a letter from John. This isn't a letter from somebody just trying to be helpful and yet it came out confusing. This is from God to us. And we believe that. And so the God that's not a God of confusion and the God who writes, writes things that are profitable. So here we are today saying, thank you for this letter. We're about to soak it up. That's the who. We know who it's from, where it came from, how it processed all the way from the Father to the Son, Jesus, from the angel, all the way to John, written down for us, letters for the churches. That's the who. Number two, the what. The what of Revelation. This is a most fascinating study on many levels. It is a trio of types of writing, and that is a little bit complicated, okay? I'm not going to say confusing, but complicated, right? Normally, we read a book and we go, okay, it's poetic. Okay, this is wisdom. Okay, this is narrative. Okay, this is a gospel. Okay, this is a letter. That's how we study the Bible, and that's very helpful. Well, Revelation is a letter, but most people don't know that. It's also a prophecy. It says that clearly, but it's also apocalyptic literature, and there isn't a lot of apocalyptic literature in the Bible, but there is some. Zechariah has it. Daniel has it, Revelation has it, and so it is all three. It's apocalyptic literature, it's a prophecy, and it's a letter. And you got to be able to sort through that. It being a letter is so incredibly helpful as we seek to understand the prophecy part and the apocalyptic literature part. But let, let me just show you so you can see it really clearly, okay? It's definitely a letter. Look at verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Okay, there you go. Introduction, address, right? That's, that's, that's there. Verse nine, I, John. 
okay? And then when you get to the end, and that's what I had Matt McBroom read earlier, you read that part at the end of Revelation, and he's wrapping up the letter. And he's saying, hey, don't you take this and misquote it. Don't you take anything out of it. Make sure you read this and you understand this. This is from God, okay? So it's got a beginning. It's got an end. It's clearly a letter, but it's also a prophecy. Look at verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Now, this is understandable because of what the scriptures are. The scriptures are man's works inspired by God. There is a human element in this. John, in his prison cell, wrote this down. His hand, unless he had somebody else, but his hand. He, he wrote this down. But it was 100% the inspiration of God making it holy and true, completely accurate, no error, inspired through John. That's how Scripture is. Genesis to Revelation. Every single word. Every bit of the Bible is inspired by God. Man writes it in his context. Educated or not educated, suffering or not suffering. Whatever is influencing his actual setting is still being used as God inspires through it. And so it's a letter from John through God to, to to the churches. And in that letter... It's the vision of a lot of prophecy. That's fascinating. And in the prophecy, it addresses the end. We see that here, don't we? Look at verse 1. The things that must soon take place. The things that must soon take place. Look at the end of verse 3. For the time is near. Does everybody see that? You got soon You've got near. Okay. So it's a most fascinating study on several levels. It's a letter. It's a prophecy. And it's apocalyptic literature. And that's going to serve us really well. Make sure you remember that, okay? With that said, though, remember it is Christian scripture. Verse 2 says, Bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is God's word. It is Bible. Okay? But it is also another thing, it is a letter to his churches, okay? Now, turn with me over to chapter 2. All of chapters 2 and 3 are seven different churches that are addressed, Seven different cities, okay, in Asia Minor, all right, that are real places. At chapter 2, verse 1, to the church in Ephesus. At chapter 2, verse 8, to the church in Smyrna. Chapter 2, verse 12, to the church in Pergamum. Chapter 2, verse 18, to the church in Thyatira. Chapter 3, verse 1, to the church in Sardis. Chapter 3, verse 7, to the church in Philadelphia. Chapter 3, verse 14, to the church in Laodicea. 
All of chapters two and three are those specific messages addressed to those churches, which are real churches, which have a history, which you can go back and study. But there are seven. And what God does with the number seven in the Bible, and again, Revelation has a lot of this, is God uses symbolism in Revelation. If we get way off on symbolism, we'll end up in some scary movie where we're like, this is freaking me out. But if we focus and study and ask God to help us, the God that says his book's profitable and the God that says he's not confusing, then we can kind of make sense of a lot of this. To God, the number seven represents completeness, wholeness. In other words, all of it, the fullness of it. And almost always in the book of Revelation, when we see the number seven, it's just meaning all of it. If you hear seven lights, you think lots of lights, the biggest light. If you hear seven churches, it means to those churches, but also to all the churches or the big church, the universal church, believers worldwide. And that's important for us to understand. And so in the book of Revelation, each church is addressed those, of those seven. But the bigger thing is to this whole letter, 22 chapters, is a letter from God to all the churches. And so those churches were addressed as a way of us sitting here going, Okay, I see what he said to Ephesus. We need to learn from them. I see what he said to Laodicea. We need to learn from them. But every church is going, we need to learn from God from this letter. But I want to show you how often God does this with the number seven. This whole page and this whole page and a little bit on the back are all places where the number seven is. And this is just one example of the symbolism. Revelation chapter one, seven churches. Revelation chapter 1, seven golden lampstands. Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, seven stars. Revelation 4, seven spirits of God. Revelation 5, seven seals. Revelation 5, seven horns with seven eyes. Revelation 8, seven trumpets. Revelation 10, seven thunders. Revelation 12, seven heads. Revelation 12, seven diadems. Revelation 15, seven angels. Revelation 15, seven plagues. Revelation 15, seven golden bowls. Revelation 15, seven angels. Revelation 16, seven bowls. Revelation 17, seven heads. Revelation 17, seven heads are seven mountains. Revelation 17, seven kings. Revelation 21, nine, one verse. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride the wife of the Lamb. Y'all, the book of Revelation uses symbolism like that all the time. And if we don't study it, we think, I don't know what it's talking about, man. This is all, this is all Greek to me, man. I can't make sense of it, man. I'm, I'm not big of a reader. And we just give up right away. But God doesn't want uh, it to do that to us. God's word, as we will help see, makes sense of those things. And we're going to get into it. Now, we're 2,000 years removed, and our context is quite a bit different, but God will help us with this, and we will make sense of it. 
This is a letter to God's church. And the number seven is the number of completeness or wholeness. R.C. Sproul writes, Revelation stresses that though it comes in symbolic form, it is understandable. It is revelation, after all, disclosing truth to us rather than hiding truth. Isn't that alone just helpful to you? Isn't that eye-opening? It's a revelation. It's not a covering up. Let's remember that, right? This isn't the book of hiding. This isn't the book of keeping secret. It's the book of opening up, revealing. And we need to remember that. He does a good job helping us see that. It is for his servants. It says that back at chapter 1, verse 1, to show to his servants. So it was for us. It's for God's people. Not a special group or a special elite group. This book's not written to those who know how to understand and decipher code in the Bible. Not at all. It's for his servants, his humble, lowly people that don't have anything figured out except we need forgiveness from God. It's for people who say, I don't have all the answers, but if God loves me, I will serve him back. If he died for me, I will live for him. It's for his servants. It's not for any big elite group. He goes on and he says, God expects Christians to keep what is written, to profit spiritually from it. A blessing at the end of verse 3, or the intro, encourages people to read it and hear it. If we have concluded it doesn't make sense, it's good for it, I'm not benefiting from it, then it's us that's misunderstanding. It's not God's word to us. In that way, it will be good. God says, bless you to all who read it and hear it. The what of Revelation. A letter to the churches to teach us. Lastly, the why of Revelation. We've got the who, we've got the what, and we've got the why. Why did he give us this? Well, you know endings are a big deal, right? How are you going to wrap this up? How are you going to close it or end it? And that's what this is. And we can believe that God certainly knows how to write a final chapter, one in which we are comforted and strengthened by the promises of God, one in which you know that Christ reigns, that he is the victor, That good wins out when God is the source of good. Not just that good wins out. There's a big difference there, right? That evil cannot prevail over the good God. We have this in the closing chapter. The why of Revelation is that we, in closing or concluding or resolving, would love God. God, that we would desire his Christ, our Savior, that we would see the urgency to believe and to know God and his salvation that comes through Jesus. Let's remember that when we come to Revelation, 
which tells us about the second coming of Christ, when he will come back through the sky riding on a white horse with a sword, which that's in this book. We only read that. We only read that after we've seen him come to this earth, take on humanity like you and I, deal with all the messed up stuff that this world gives. Be tempted like we're tempted. Suffer like we suffer. Cry like we cry. Feel the ugliness of this broken world. And at that moment, go to the cross and be beaten and crucified. As an innocent Sinless God-man who would sacrifice himself under the will of his Father because there's no greater love than this. Die on the cross for our sins. Suffer the wrath of God. Take the punishment for sin and die. Be taken down off the cross in utter and complete humiliation, be buried in a tomb, and the whole world think, what a shame, what a joke, what a fake. We thought he was the one. And then three days later, the stones rolled away, the tomb is empty, the clothes were even folded in the tomb, and he comes out saying, It's over. The devil's defeated. I love you. There is victory. And he reigns. And he empowers his people by saying, I'll send the Spirit. You will be my witnesses and go out to the whole world, letting people know that I reign, that sin's been dealt with, that there can be forgiveness of sins. You know that gospel story. I could tell it with as much time as we have. The story of Christ coming to earth, living and dying for us, being raised up to newness of life, being the Savior of the world, our Jesus, our Lord Jesus. We know that. And it is only after we know and understand that that we get to the book of Revelation. This is not some random crazy book that's disconnected from the life and work of Christ. This is a book where the Christ who died for us, lived for us, taught us, that we love in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is his final book, which he gave to John so that John would write it down, so that you and I today, along with every other church, would read about this. Jesus that died for us, who's coming back? And the book is supposed to cause us to say, man, I love my Savior. I believe him. The world may think I'm crazy, but he wrote a letter to us. We believe this book and that we would desire him, that our loyalty would increase, that our devotion would be strong, that we would believe and love and read and hear and keep the truth of God that he wrote for us to strengthen us in our faith, that we would be believers in this lost world. The urgency would move us, that we would be anticipating, that endurance would increase. A huge theme in Revelation is endurance, that we would see that endurance is needed in this life. There are times where we want to quit, we want to give up. We will be beat down and broken down and so discouraged that we think, why should I press on? The Revelation is written for us. We will see this much, much more in the future weeks.
There are seven beatitudes throughout the whole book of Revelation. They are blessings. And the first one is this one right here in verse 3. Blessed is the one. We already talked about that. But I want you to see that the why of Revelation is for us to be blessed as we study God's word. As we are strengthened in our faith in Christ. I've already pointed out in verse 1 the word soon, and I've already pointed out at the end it says the time is near. The urgency that comes about in the final book of the Bible cannot be ignored or missed. It is there over and over and over again. The word soon is listed out some five, six, seven times in the book of Revelation. It's not just a vision or revelation at the end. It is an urgent message for you to delight in Christ, hope in Christ, trust in Christ. It's an urgent message for you to say, I believe and I am secure in him. There's a lot of things I don't know about this life, but I know that. My Savior loves me, he died for me, and he's coming back for me. Revelation is to strengthen you in that and It will. It will. There is going to be so much more benefit and blessing and goodness and enriching your faith throughout this study than there will be confusion and unanswered questions. It won't even be close. You are going to find this to be so satisfying to all the things that you think and the questions that you ask. It is going to feed your soul because it is from God to us. Our church will benefit from it. The who of Revelation, the what of Revelation, and the why of Revelation. Make sure that you are reading it, hearing it, and keeping it. I opened up by talking about the letters that I get from my wife and how I try to do that today for her and how I hold on to those or text message. Last night, I got to go to a daddy-daughter dance, a big one, 500 people. It was cool. I wore a suit and a tie and wanted to take my girls out to dinner and a dance. I'm not a dancer by any means. And at that dance, they prompted us to stop dancing a few times and ask questions. What's your favorite memory with dad? What's your dad's best characteristic? And then we ask those questions back. What's my favorite memory with them and what's their best characteristic? And it was, it was great. It was great. At the end of it, a guy stood up, and it was a Christian thing, and they had a Christian mag- magician there, and he, he gave an awesome message at the end. And One of the things he said was, may it be that your daughters, for the rest of their lives, Remember this and know that you love them. Never not feel that you love them. Always cling to that their dad loves them. He said all that. I'm sitting there going, man, I I hope so. I hope so. And as I was thinking through that, I remembered something. She's here today. Miss Anna Harris sits back there. Several months back, me and Miss Anna Harris went visiting together. She's a widow. Her late husband, Mr. Ray Harris, passed away. And as we were out visiting, we went to Zaxby's, me and Miss Anna. And we sat down and had lunch together. And Miss Anna didn't know how to work those like freestyle Coke machines, so I had to do it for her. While we were sitting there talking, we were reminiscing about her husband, Ray, who, if you remember Ray, he was just 
phenomenal, such a blessing. And Miss Anna pulled out of her wallet. I took a picture of it. A handwritten note was about that big, which she has self-laminated with clear tape. She's got it in her wallet. It says, to the one, and it's from a long time ago. I mean, the paper's brown and faded. It's written by pen in cursive. It's from years ago. It says, to the one I love very much. Anne, my darling, I love you very much. Love, Ray, XO, 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 XO. She clings to that in her purse. She misses him. She remembers him. She knows. She was loved by him, right? She holds on to that in her wallet. Like I hold on to a card from my wife. The book of Revelation comes to every believer as a letter written by God so that you would never doubt or forget God loves you. And Jesus proves it with death, blood, defeat, victory, conquering, lordship, kingship, reign. He loves you. And this book for the next several weeks, is going to cause you and I to anchor down like we never have before, like a love note in a nightstand, like a love note in our wallet, and infinitely way better than that, as the Word of God delivered to us that Jesus loves us, made us, died for us, lives for us, and will be back soon to get us. May you believe it. Father in heaven, thank you for the book of Revelation. Thank you, God, for this introduction that I hope gets our appetite starving for truth and answers and a knowledge of you. Thank you, God, that it comes from you all the way through your apostle John, through the work preserved for us over the years, and now we have it. Truth revealed, disclosed, not hidden, made known. Thank you. God, we ask that you would do what we just talked about. Make us deep in the truth. Make us believe it. Open our eyes to it, God. Help our excuses like we don't feel well. Help our excuses like we were up late. Help our excuses like we're just tired today. I'll catch it later. Help all of those to be argued against and pushed back against that we would be here digging deep in your word. Father, the book of Revelation isn't so much about our commitment to you, but your commitment to us through Christ. Father, thank you. Strengthen us in our faith now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.